you for joining uh, this episode of the TechSpective podcast. Uh, my guest uh, this episode is Frank Duff from uh, MITRE Ingenuity. Uh, so, uh, Frank, if you could, uh, I guess, kind of introduce yourself, give a little bit of uh, background on your role. Absolutely. Um, so I'm currently the lead for the attack evaluations effort, um, which is run in, in MITRE Ingenuity, as you mentioned. Um, I come from a, a, a varied background, always with MITRE. Um, so ever since I, I graduated school, I've been sitting at, at MITRE for the last 15 plus years, um, doing a variety of things. The last 10 or so have been dealing with, with this, this wonderful cyber domain that we're in. Um, and before that, I was doing more of like electrical engineering, signal processing um, type of things. But in the last, last eight or so years, we've been really looking at this attack framework um, as part of um, an early research project that eventually led to to what became the attack framework, focusing more on the incident response blue team side of the house. So we were doing um, red team blue team exercises every other month, um, and I was one of the the researchers on on the hunt side, trying to develop new analytics, find what the bad guy was doing, recreate the storyline, and doing all that. And then we loved the methodology so much, we decided we were going to start evaluating products on that. Um, and um, that kind of started ramping up from doing it for our, our government sponsors to vendors asking us, hey, we want to do this thing and, and us taking money from vendors, uh, uh, opening it up and leading to now 29 vendors participating in this evaluation. Which is a lot. So let's take let's take a half a step back um, and first, you know, it, it, you know, the evaluation is MITRE ATT&CK. I mean, if you look at it, you know, that's just the word you pronounce in your head, but it's actually ATT and CK. So, so let's break that down. What, what, is, what, is, what is ATT&CK? So ATT&CK, the acronym doesn't really exist anymore for what it's worth. Uh, but, but in terms of where it's, its story comes from, right, it's the adversarial tactics, techniques, and common knowledge. Um, so these are supposed to abstract adversary behaviors, like when they get into your network, what are they doing? How are they performing? How are they getting your credentials? How are they doing privilege escalation? How are they doing exfiltration, right? It's trying to, to capture their behaviors at a higher level. Um, when attack started, everything was very focused on the perimeter, so keeping the bad guys out. So a lot of focus on um, antivirus at the time. Um, Next Gen AV was really just starting to come around. Um, but it was focused on let's keep them out and, and we're going to be safe. Um, and uh, what every metric was saying was, well, the adversaries, when they're found in your network, have been there 200 plus days. So that's not working very well. And so um, uh, attack sprung out of, all right, well, what, what can we do to move beyond this AV filter on the front? How can we find bad guys faster once they're in? And so that's where that research project came out of, was trying to say, okay, well, let, let's wave the white flag. Let's say they get in. Let's do the presumed breach thing. They will mm -hmm. eventually get in. How do you find them faster so that you can throw them out faster um, and minimize the damage? And so attack started trying to build up this um, um, library of terms, and, and it started off almost as in, in MediaWiki. So, well, it started off in Excel, then it went to MediaWiki where it became just a encyclopedia of adversary behaviors. Um, and it would always tie it back, back to what was publicly available. So when um, one of these threat intel providers would provide a report, we would go in, we would analyze it, uh, extract the attack techniques from it, um, and then slowly 
the uh, attack matrix uh, expanded and expanded from, I think it was originally something like 44 to 77 to now we've got this whole big matrix with sub techniques as an extra level of granularity. Um, and so uh, it's, it's, it's definitely grown, but it's just trying to provide that high level abstract so we can get out of that whole indicator of compromise brand state that we were in six years ago. And I think we've largely evolved from. I, yeah, I would agree with that. And and I think, you know, one of the things that I think um, kind of draws people to MITRE ATTACK, I mean, you know, it's, it, this, is, this was what, the third year of evaluations? Correct. Yeah, this uh, is the third year of evaluations, yep. Okay, so, and so one of the things I think really appeals to the industry and to customers is is that sort of normalizing of terms. It's like, you know, it, you know, previously, if I go look at vendor A, vendor B, vendor C, and they're, use, they're all using proprietary, you know, terms or slightly different terms, and it makes it a lot harder for me to compare and say, well, okay, are you guys doing the same thing? Are you doing something better? What are you doing? Um, and I think to take something like this, where you say, look, you know, we, we, we took all these companies, we ran them through this thing, we're all gonna use the same terms. And so now, now you you have a level playing field, so to speak, to consider, to, to weigh them against each other. Yeah, and, and that's something that's definitely evolved over time, right? We, we knew we would have to do that to some degree. And that's why even in round one, we came up with this idea of, oh, well, we should have detection categories so that we can talk in a common vernacular about what a detection was because an alert for one company is not an alert for another company and a detection is not a detection and all these other things and so we thought Let, let's create some common representation of this data that will extract similar to what attack did for adversary behaviors we're trying to do from a detection standpoint let's extract the underlying detections to this higher level so that that way we can enable people to do comparisons across the products, not that we do the comparisons ourselves, but enable other people to do it. And, and that's a hard problem, which is why over the course of the first year to the second year to the third year, you see a little bit of churn in our detection categories and some evolution in it, right? When we started in the APT3 round, we thought very much that, well, one of the things we wanna measure is the logic behind it. We want to understand what a vendor is doing and are they going to use advanced logic or are they just writing a simple rule that looks for net.exe running? And so we, we thought we were gonna be able to do that. And what we found out is that was uh, 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 too big of a bite of an apple to, 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 to take off. And so what we did was Okay, let's focus on one aspect of detections, and that was visit the, the, the context that that is provided to the end users. And so then we're like, all right, well, context comes down to the words displayed on the screen for detections, and so that's where we came to. Let's just use attack, right? A tactic, technique, those are levels of descriptions that you're providing. So let's just talk about that as as that's a level of granularity vendors providing to the end user. Okay, so you, so you mentioned, you know, like when you guys started, you, you it was APT3, uh, I think round two was APT29. Um, this year was focused on you know, uh, Fin7 and Carbonac that were more kind of almost like banking type, you know, banking and retail type uh, attacks and stuff. So I, I guess I'm, I'll focus my question primarily on Carbonac and Fin7 since that's the, 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 the just released evaluation, but what kind of goes into the decision process of like, well, what, how, how do you choose what you're going to evaluate against? 
So there, there's a few different dimensions uh, that we try to tackle when when selecting an adversary. Um, they each have their own. If I were doing adversary emulation for any corporate organization, I would I'd still have the same criteria um, in, in general. Um, the biggest driver is what threats impact you. Um, and so um, for an organization that might be a little bit more pointed, right? Maybe Fin7 is specifically interesting to you. Maybe APD29 is. Um, for us, we viewed it as what would be most interesting for the public? Like, what are they clamoring for? Um, what's kind of the, the biggest news that's out there? At the time when we selected Fin7, there was this big upsurge in reporting around Fin7 activities. That allowed us to get the second pillar for which we choose our adversaries, which is available threat intel. So there was a lot of interest around it. There's a lot of people asking for a more financially motivated um, adversary. And then there was this wealth of information that was coming out that would allow us to create an accurate representation of their behaviors in our emulation, because we hold a pretty high bar for what an emulation is. And uh, then it was just a matter of making sure that we could develop it and execute it and do all those types of things. But as soon as it hit all the checkboxes, that's why we went with that route. And then if you look forward for this coming round, right? So round four, which we are in the call for participation for right now, we wanted to take a brand new spin on all of that, right? And and say, okay, well, people are are liking that we're not just focusing on nation state actors, that, but that, where's a gap in what evaluation is currently doing? And we knew that impact was one of our big gaps. And so that's why we went after data encryption for impact as kind of the theme for this next round was looking at, okay, well, there's a gap in what we currently have been doing. There's this need and interest in terms of all the ransomware that's out there. Um, let's, let's focus on data encryption for impact. And that's why we chose Wizard, Spider, and Sandworm for this next round. Okay. So, on the one hand, I think it's it it's cool, and I see the benefits of focusing, you know, both on focusing on different things and focusing on kind of almost trending things. It's 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 an added level of relevance. You know, again, thinking from the terms of the customer, um, you know, like I don't I don't need you to evaluate how well your product does against SQL Slammer. You know, like we, we you know that <laughs> we've been there, done that, um, yeah. and so that part makes sense. Although the flip side of it being is I would be very curious as well to see, you know, like, so you, 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 you did APT3 and whatever vendors were involved in that. And then you did APT29 and whatever vendors were involved in that. But I'd be curious to see, okay, well, now it's a year later. If you ran, if you ran those same vendors through APT29 again, what would those results look like now? Like what, what did those what did those vendors do to tweak or improve their product or how has it evolved over the last year and would it do any better or worse if you did it APC 29 again? Yeah, that would be a very interesting thing for us to do and believe us, we, we've thought about doing those types of, of, of evaluation. I think the, the one challenging thing from an attack evaluation standpoint specifically is one of our our core mantras is that public impact. Right, and and so for MITRE engineer as a whole and attack evaluations, and so what we do is we release the methodology, right? So it therefore makes it so any future tests right. with that methodology have to be considered. Okay, well, is is the participant just kind of 
skewing things up so that they'll perform a little bit better. So I think one way that we've somewhat got around that, if you look specifically at like APT3 versus APT29, they're very different emulations and, and very different results. However, if you look at what we did there, which was intentional, right? So APT3, we did a variant that was a little less APT3. It was kind of like an APT3++, right? It, it, we, we used PowerShell on the second day. Um, which at the time APT3 hadn't been really uh, referenced heavily. In um, but we did a PowerShell scripting step. And in that step, uh, the vendors did very poorly. Um, they, they did. They had a lot of myths, a lot of um, gaps, right? They weren't detecting PowerShell logs at the time. Well, round two was all PowerShell or, or significantly PowerShell. So we took what was challenging most vendors and said, all right, well, there's all these other reasons we want to do AP29. And you know what? It's trying to level up the, the vendors to be able to explore PowerShell specifically, which was the thing that right. we had. And, and so then you can look a little bit more of PowerShell scripting capabilities from APT3, which was like one step to PowerShell scripting capabilities on APT29, which was a lot of steps. And you get to see kind of evolution of solutions. And so we do a little bit of that thought exercise to figure out ways of, of showing the evolution. But it's a tricky thing because every time it, a technique is not a technique is not a technique. And as soon as we switch the tool sets that we're using, it's it's changing the, the 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 procedure at some level, and so detection yeah. isn't the same. It's not an apples to apples, but at least it's maybe an apples to orange. Right. No, that's cool. I mean, that, that's a I think that's a, a valid way to kind of progress the the, the evaluation. Um, and 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 I agree with you. You know, like you know, if, if you went back to the same vendors and said, hey, we're going to do APT twenty nine again, you know it's sort of like having a teacher who teaches the test. You know, it's like, well, just, just because you did good on the test doesn't mean you know the subject matter. Yep, um, yep. exactly, exactly. Um, you know, so was there anything in the, you know, the evaluation it was, you know, that was released today, the results were you know, published today. Was there anything about this um, round that, stood out to you that surprised you like you know it, it you already mentioned sort of the uh, you know round four and, and what your focus is there is like i was gonna say is there anything was there anything you learned from this round that you're like all right well let's there, there's the weak spot let's focus there for the next round yeah so i mean um we are seeing solutions continue to evolve um and and one of the ways that we did that that i'd like to see us continue to expand on was like the data source edition from this this last round um so this will only be really for detection nerds out there but but one of the things we've we did was for every detection that we have we're talking about the underlying data so was it using process information or um, and so we're trying to start what are the underlying requirements for these detections um, and so i think next round we really want to continue to formalize that because to me what's a main differentiator with these tools is what data are they collecting and how are they collecting it uh, and the how are they collecting it we don't really go into deeply but i think it's going to start showing as we continue to do these evaluations so what do i mean by that so I, I mentioned from APT3 to APT29 how PowerShell scripting was one of those big, big things. Um, in APT29, kind of our push was a little bit into WMI. Um, and then that echoed into this round where we did a little bit of WMI, a little bit of API, um, um, direct API execution. 
Um, and I think those types of events, as well as some some file events and and registry events, the 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 kind of differentiating factor is how vendors are approaching throttling them because they are high in volume, and so if they alert on everything, it's going to flood an analyst. But at the same time, adversaries, as PowerShell logging becomes better, as normal process execution becomes a, a checkbox, right? Like adversaries are going to shift off into these more advanced techniques and continue to. They already started. And so um, I'm interested in kind of continuing to push vendors to understand how they can do WMI monitoring, API monitoring. By no means do I expect them to collect every event. But but how do they do it tactfully to make sure that we have visibility in these key events? Because if an adversary is just going to directly call an API to execute that same behavior that was done in a PowerShell script, but now you your PowerShell scripting isn't doing anything, right? Like that's an important thing to be able to detect. Um, so I think that that's that's one element um, that that I'm interested in can continue to pursue. It's it's these more fringe case data sources that it doesn't make sense to collect all of it all of the time, but you need to collect some of it some of the time. Okay. Um, I know from you know past uh, uh, MITRE attack evaluations and you know my conversations around around this one that this is a it's, it's an intense process. You know the the the, the vendors you you kind of put them through the ringer. <laughs> Uh, we, 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 we do it with, with love, but, but yeah, it, it, it's a brutal process for everyone involved, right? And there's no doubt about it. I mean, um, the fact that we were MITRE when this started and now MITRE Engineer, we hold ourselves to the same standard. And the fact that we've got a, the, the MITRE attack name um, associated with us, right? We, we take all that very seriously. And so MITRE as, as a think shop, right, wants to do things very scientifically. We want a very structured way of doing things, and and this is what the data says. And so we have that very science-driven background, which makes it so that we have a very rigorous process to go through. Um, we try to do it in in a collaborative way, open up with vendors, share everything we can, answer every question we can. But it's intense. It's it's a it's a long process diving into data. And and that's a, a big ask for, for vendors. And and then there's the feedback process, which we know that everything's getting public or released, right? Vendors are participating knowing that we can't um, go against that faith. And so we put so much time and care in making sure that those results are as accurate as, as we can, making sure that everybody's treated fairly and in a common light. And so there is a lot of work that goes on uh, through for both parties. Um, but I'm I'm glad you recognize that. But but uh, hopefully hopefully uh, the vendors feel it's worth it at the end of the day. It's like a good workout. I, I think they do, and I, and I think I think that I think it's important for customers and 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 the, the the world at large to know that this isn't you know it's not a simple thing. Like you, you know it's it's it, it the, the the vendors have to work for it. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. It it's 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 a lot of work. I mean, there's a reason why. Um, it's 364 days since our last release, um, and it, there's a reason why we started in in September with with our first evaluations, and we're releasing results in April. And they were ready today, right? It wasn't like that we were sitting on them. 
Um, they, they, they take a lot of work to go through and, and vendors do a lot to prepare for them as well. Um, we, we hear plenty of stories about all the prep work that vendors do to make sure that their solution that they're bringing in for the evaluation is primed and ready to go and that they're going to put their best foot forward. Uh, but, but one of the nice things about from like a personal gratification standpoint is these vendors are improving and they're improving quickly. And I feel like somewhat of that is is at least due to the attack evaluation process and, and forcing vendors to kind of open up what they can really do versus just hiding behind marketing claims. Yeah, well, and, I, it, and, I, and to kind of go back to what we talked about early on with providing that sort of common language and and and, and level playing ground, um, I think it's it's important in 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 all industries, but especially in cybersecurity, to have um, you know a, a to have something like this that's a that's a, a independent third party objective comparison, you know, like, you know, like a consumer reports, you know, so to speak, you know, kind of thing. Um, you know, because otherwise, you know, it's like, I, you know, what am I going to do? I'm going to go look at all the vendors websites, read their read their marketing hype. Um, you know, but but trying to find some way, way to actually compare them or to, to, to really understand, okay, but in the real world, how do they how do they actually perform against each other? That's it's a harder thing to do. Um, on a similar vein, I also wanted to point out for anyone who just you know woke up from a coma and doesn't know, um, but you guys also do the the CVE database. I mean, so you're also providing a common language and a, and a common framework on that side, so that again, it's a similar thing of saying, well, look, you know, they're calling the, the uh, they're they're calling this threat that, and the, this company over here they named it something else, and you know, I mean, I I used to do uh, you know when I was working more on the uh, cybersecurity trenches side of things, my, one of my main focuses was antivirus and dealing with McAfee semantic, Trend Micro, CA, and how as soon as a threat would come out, there'd be four different names for it. And then there had yeah. to be some sort of like, it, it took a day or two to kind of get some consensus around, okay, well, which one of these is going to win? What are we going with here? Um, <laughs> you know, so it's like you you need, you know, so again, it's a similar thing. You, you, you need that CVE so that you have a common language right because i mean at the end of the day right we're all facing the same problems um as defenders and and yeah there's the special sauce that every vendor has but the more we can kind of build off of each other and improve the more secure our our networks are actually going to be which at the end of the day is going to help every joe schmo out there right that everybody's going to be a little bit more secure and that's a good thing and i think most people recognize that and realize that, you know what, let's work for the common good. Let's be open about what we can do and how we can do it. Let's improve. Let's let's make these iterative steps. Let's learn from each other. Let's advance capabilities together. I mean, that, that's one of the greatest things about what attack was and or attack is, right? It was a grassroots movement, right? We, we did it because we thought it was this great way of communicating and advancing what we were doing because it allowed the red team to speak to the blue team about what they did without getting down at, at the IOC level, right? It allowed them to understand why they were doing stuff, which allowed us to create better analytics at the end of the day. But then it ended up being this great thing for us to communicate to management. When we're saying, why are we doing red team, blue teams? Now we can say, well, we're doing them because last time we did this and this time we're doing that and this is how much improvement we're doing. So it allowed us to talk in this common way. So we, we released that because we thought it was useful. 
the next thing we know, all these organizations across the world, all these Fortune 100s are, are picking it up. All these government organizations are picking up. Everybody's picking up um, attack as just this, this, wow, this is really helpful, really useful. Um, and so it, 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 it's not like we ever thought it was going to be what it was going to be. It's just one of those things that we thought was really cool and useful. We released and suddenly there's this big movement around it. And then vendors are approaching and saying, hey, hey, we have attack. How can we integrate it better? And so we're talking with vendors. And next thing you know, they, we need evaluations. And so now we're doing the attack evaluations. It's been very much just like the natural evolution because the community wants to to communicate. Right. Right. Well, and, and you know, so one of the things you just you. You, you alluded to, and I'm not going to I'm not going to be able to paraphrase you because I don't remember exactly how you said it, but it, it, it's, you know, there's this element of, um, you know, sort of demonstrating what you can do, but also being able to admit kind of what you can't do. And I think that's that's really, you know, as someone who you know works in the marketing side of things like I, I, I have great respect for that, that, that like I get that, you know, everyone in marketing is trying to position their company and their brand at, you know, in, in a good light and, and say, you know, and, and give you the reasons for why you should do business with that company or that brand. And you know, that's their job and they should do that. But I think it's equally uh, as important to be honest about what you can't do. And, and I see too many, you know, too many companies make claims that are beyond their own capabilities. And, and I feel like it does a disservice to the customer. Ultimately, it's short-sighted for the vendor. Like eventually people will figure out that you can't do that. You know, someone someone is going to look behind the curtain. Um, right. And so it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And so uh, I think that, you know, that's just another another place where this evaluation and 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 going through this exercise really strips away all of that. It, it takes away your ability to 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 make those to make claims that you can't stand by. Right. And that that's that's exactly what we did. And, and we've seen some improvement, right? So well, some improvement, some augmentation of some of the those marketing claims, right? When 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 we started the attack evaluations, there were vendors that we heard were claiming like hundred percent coverage of MITRE attack. Um and even in the days when that was a much smaller matrix, that's that's a big statement. Like um, especially when you think that each technique can be implemented in different ways, you really are going to cover that 100% of the time. So attack evaluations did largely come on out directly to address that need. Now, of course, marketing can still analyze our results and statistics can say anything you want them to say. But at the end of the day, we're making this resource that is open for anybody to go and fact check, right? At the, right anybody can come and see when a vendor claims that they did amazing on, on attack evaluations, you can come look at the data and see for yourself, did they do what you need to do? For that other vendor that you were considering, how did they actually compare? We have tools that allow you to compare a couple different vendors. Well, we don't say what they, whether it's good or bad in that comparison, but, but we do say, here's a tool so you can go and determine it for yourself. Um, and and so, so we try to enable data or provide data. We try to enable with tools so that people can go and create their own answers um, and, and really cut through the marketing. Marketing is helpful, right? It allows you to understand that company strategy. But at the end of the day, it's nice to have this data that's available for you to be able to validate. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, I think I think that that that's about enough of that. Like, is there anything else you want to you want to hit on or anything else you want to talk about? Uh, you know, Marvel versus DC, Star Wars versus <laughs> Star Trek. 
it's 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 it was marvel uh it's definitely star wars um i don't think that those are worth discussing because they're pretty like self-explanatory i feel like but <laughs> no well, no i, I pre- say, in, in yeah, a former podcast uh when we talked about star wars versus star trek because uh, it's a question i bring up often um i actually kind of uh, was just kind of thinking out loud and i was like you know I get Marvel versus DC. That that makes sense to me. Like, I mean, they 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 go out of their way to mimic each other. They both have copycat characters that they've invented, like intentionally. Um, but Star Wars versus Star Trek isn't really an apples to apples comparison. Like, you don't have to pick one of those. Like, they're they're totally different things, and you can like them both for for you know, and completely different reasons. Like, that's not that's not really a head to head battle the way that Marvel versus DC is. No, you're you're right. It, it, but 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 the Star Wars Star Trek thing is kind of like religious, right? Like so so when I was growing up, I, I when I was six years old or whatever, right? I was taught you had to like one. You couldn't like them both. And and my first exposure was to Star Wars. So you know what? I'm I'm committed. Sure, I'll be that Star Wars person. I remember a, a few years ago at, at at Black Hat, not to completely derail the the conversation, um, but. Um, we I got into this lengthy debate one one evening with the, this other person on on uh, uh, the 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 episodes one through three versus four four through six, and, and some of the the, the mentality. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it's fun to talk about. But but I agree that there's um yeah there's there's a lot of different angles you can go at. But well, and and from from that perspective you know since you chose marvel and star wars here that, that puts you firmly on team disney <laughs> uh, it, it does now right i mean uh, both of the, those are kind of like moved into disney but i guess so um but but i thought that that uh Mar- the, the marvel movie franchise right to have the legs that it had over the last like what 13-ish years to build the franchise that they did for like superhero movies i mean they're if you're looking for for action with just a little bit of of depth here and there right like i think like marvel did a really great job of that and and so um i'm not super into the comics before that but from like like a movie standpoint i thought that marvel did a a general great job of, of tying it all together yeah once upon a time like way 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 back i mean i did read my my uncle had a huge comic collection and so i would read his stuff but i was never like into it into it i wasn't like a devotee of uh, of of comics but uh but yeah i mean i i mean and i'll still i still see all the dc ones too um they're just not as good yeah <laughs> it's just that simple um and i really like even even what even what marvel the way marvel is tying the tv universe into the movie universe now i mean i'm very much looking forward to the uh season finale of falcon and the winter soldier this friday you know and waiting to see what happens there so yeah yeah uh, so i mean but but that's that's it for me right so so i'm a big uh continuity person which i think probably goes to why star wars why um um uh, marvel right so so i i've been at mitre for for 15 plus years um i i i I, I have a high school sweetheart and and have been married to her for time, right? Like I'm a commitment. Like I I fear not committing, and so Marvel allows you to really commit to things, right? Like it it's just been there. It's been the same characters, so so I've been able to like dive into the Marvel universe and just immerse myself in it, and so that's why I think like uh, I'm so pro for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You mean you, you mean you don't like how they just reboot Batman every three years? Or how they used to reboot Spider-Man. It, it, it drives me. 
Yeah. So, so, so uh, yeah, no, that, that absolutely drives me crazy. Right. I, th- I think that's what finally got me. Like, like I, I used to like the concept of Batman and Spider-Man. I mean, we've gone like way off the rails here, but I, I used to really like the concept of Batman and Spider-Man or Batman and Superman. Um, right. Like I, I was watching like Lois and Clark and, and those types of things back when I was growing up. Um, but when, when Spider or when Superman was changing, like, every movie and every couple of years it, it just became like i i couldn't handle it i'm like this this makes right. no sense and now i'm going back in time and and now i'm doing like origin stories where like like no like start with the origin build up have the same character all along right like uh, yeah <laughs> right all right yeah uh, so this is definitely off the rails but hey miter <laughs> um uh, do you know? So you know, I, I, before before we started recording, I, I mentioned that uh, you know I, I intend to be at Black Hat this year, like physically in person in in Las Vegas. Um, do you know if has that been discussed at Mitre? Will you guys be physically at Black Hat? There's been starting to be some discussions around it, uh, but there's not a whole lot of movement. I think that everybody's still in a little bit of wait and see mode and trying to take it a little bit cautious. Um, but we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens at Black Hat. Um, yeah. Historically, I, 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 I love Black Hat and, and RSA not for, for anything more than just a great chance to meet up with a lot of interesting people and talk with a lot of interesting people. Um, there's a lot of fanfare around it, but if, if nothing else, it's just a great kind of like decompress with some friends and, and, and this, right. this community, as big as it is, is so close knit. Right. Well, as I say, both event, both events are great. RSA and Black Hat. I mean, they both have a ton of, you know, there's a ton of great booths. There's a ton of great sessions. There's great information, mm-hmm. but when, you know, when it comes down to it, I'm there for Hallcon. I'm there for who, who will I meet up with in the hall? I'm there for, you know, meeting up with friends I haven't seen. And, and then after taking all of last year off, I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to that, but uh, it'll be interesting because it is a hybrid, you know, they are doing a hybrid thing. So you can attend virtually. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see what attendance is like, but um, my, my money is on that. It will actually, that the physical presence uh, will be pretty good. Cause I think, I think people are itching for something, you know, like <laughs> give give me a reason to travel. Well, well, like to that point, right? Like we've been working remotely for a year and a half now, right? And and so for me, like my team, I see them every day on Teams or Slack or whatever. Um, but like, it's nice to get together with a team, right? And so I think what a lot of these conferences are going to be going forward um, as we continue to to work in a more remote field, it, it, I think that you're going to use these as more like uh, team building things as well, right? So it's the internal team and external team building sessions. So I, I do miss it. I, 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 I'm I not sure whether I'll make it to to Black Hat this year, but there's there's light at the end of the tunnel. All right. Well, um, if you're there, well, we can, uh, you know, grab, grab a beer or something. If not, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it was it was great uh, having this chat. It was a, a, and, and congrats on uh, on, you know, the, the third uh, miter evaluation, miter attack evaluation, and uh, you know, have have fun with number four. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's it's a ton of work as as we talked about, but but it it's it there's a certain amount of pride and joy that goes into it uh, at the same time. So so it'll be, it'll be good. All right, all right, thank you so much. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast but I also invite you to engage on social media. 
please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions you'd like to see answered in future posts.